I had uh, mentioned in the first service that the, the, the drums were really kind of hitting it today. And I thought maybe things would calm down, but it didn't. And so it's definitely the fact that uh, Peter got engaged uh, last night, right? And what, what's your name again? What's, what's your name again? I forgot. Maggie. So Peter and Maggie got engaged last night, and I think Peter's, you know, he's a little, a little bit hyped up there, you know? So that's okay. That's good. It's good stuff. Well, we've been looking at beliefs or sayings that people have, uh, people use on a regular basis, and uh, been talking about the fact that you know some of them uh, may sound right, but then as we kind of look at them, we realize, okay, maybe it's not really true. Uh, the problem with it is if we use them, if we believe them, if we put our faith into those things and live our lives by them, we can kind of mess ourselves up. Um, mess up our relationship with the Lord, or even worse, some of the things we've talked about, if a person believes those things, they're going to mess up their eternity. And so these are really you know, serious things. Um, we've kind of taken a little bit of a more humorous way of looking at it by saying dumb things smart people believe, but the reality of it is that it's very serious stuff. And this morning we're going to look at, um, finish up our series actually, looking at two very familiar beliefs or sayings and again, these are given by well-meaning people. They sound spiritual. Uh, they sound like they could be true. And they're really doing it in order to help people. But um, using them can really cause some issues for people. The first belief has a bit of truth to it. Uh, but then what happens is we end up twisting it and it becomes false. And then the second belief or saying is, um, well, honestly, just plain wrong. <laughs> um, and we'll, we'll correct it as we go through. So the first one we're going to look at this morning is God helps those who helps themselves. Right? I mean, you've heard that before. In fact, uh, we have a little bit of a message from our, our governor um, who wanted to share this with us this morning. And, you know, there's some things that are out of our control, but, um, you know, I've had some people in the past of, of you know, made mention of God and that uh, we should trust in God. And uh, I, I kind of go back to what my wife, Fran, always has said, uh, as long as I've known her, uh, and that is, you know, God helps those who help themselves. And so, you know, you try and you, you, you do those things. And usually, uh, you know, we know it improves your odds. I'm sorry. Probably not a nice thing to do. But he used it just this weekend. On the 7th, he used the phrase, God helps those who helps themselves. You know, he's been talking to a lot of people who have faith, and, and you know, we can't control things. And, and so, you know, I just go with what my, my wife says all the time, and as God helps those who help themselves, because, man, it improves our odds, <laughs> doesn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, life's a gamble. And so, you know, God needs to help us with this. So God helps those who help themselves. Thank you, Governor, for helping us out with that. Where did this come from? This saying has been around for a long time. It was first founded, uh, found in Aesop's Fables, and I know some of you, um, you know, you've probably spent some time even this weekend reading Aesop's Fables. Uh, he is a, a slave storyteller, and it was from about 620 to 564 B.C. So before Christ, uh, hundreds of years before Christ, this saying was written in these fables. And the story, I'll just give you a quick story about it. Uh, there was a story of a guy... Um, driving his wagon, as we're all known to do, right? And he gets it stuck, 
and he can't get it out. He's pushing on it, pushing on it, pushing on it, and he can't get it out of the mud. So he does what any good uh, person at that time would do, and he got on his knees and he prays to Hercules, right? Because after all, Hercules, I would have prayed to Thor. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, the god of thunder. But anyways, that's besides the point. I'm Norwegian. But anyways, I did. Just nix that from the message. I don't want people thinking that I'm worshiping another god. Um, trying to make a joke here, people. Anyway, so this guy, he gets down and he prays to Hercules and asks Hercules to give him strength. And so here's what Hercules does one better. Hercules shows up. So he's going to really help out. Nay. He says this. He appeared and said, Tut, man. I mean, wouldn't that get your attention? You're praying and God showed up. Tut, man. Tut. Anyways, tut, man, don't sprawl there. Get up and put your shoulder to the wheel. The gods help them that help themselves. That's the first time that that phrase was ever used. And it was Hercules telling him, hey, listen, you start working and I'll, I'll come alongside of you and help you, but you need to get your, you know, get things in gear. It was popularized here by Ben Franklin in uh, Poor Richard's Almanac back in 1733. So that's where we get it. Uh, most people, a lot of people think it comes out of the Bible. And so I was going to mess with you guys this morning and I was going to put it up there and put like Proverbs 32.6, you know, and just see if you guys are like, you know. But I didn't do that to you because I love you guys and I don't want to do that to you. Uh, yeah, thanks. So and what's interesting is is the Quran also has something similar. So indeed, Allah will not change the conditions of a population. So he's not going to help them until they change what is in themselves. So until you're able to change yourself as a population, I'm not going to help you. So it broadens it a little bit, but it's kind of interesting that, you know, Muhammad put that in his Quran. It's kind of interesting. But what's the meaning behind it? Because I think this is important to understanding why we need to change this saying. The meaning behind it is, work hard... And God will team up with you to help you accomplish whatever it is that you're accomplishing. But when we say that, and when people say that, where we get things a little messed up is, we've got a plan. So we set the plan, we set the idea, we set the goal, whatever it is that we're going to accomplish, and then we work hard, and then God comes along and gives us the assist. And we high-five them. Hey, thank you. Thank you for helping me accomplish my goals. So there's a bit of truth to this, but we twist it, and then we apply it wrong. So here's the, the truth. The truth is God has promised to help us meet, meet our needs. That's throughout the Bible. You find it all over the place in the Bible. Of course, Matthew 6.33 is something we talk about all the time. right? Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness and all these things. Your needs will be added to you or given to you. And so we have this understanding, yeah, God's going to provide, because God says he's going to provide. Jesus is actually quoting that in Matthew 6.33. But here's the twist, and this is what causes it to become wrong and applying it wrong. God will help us accomplish our goals if we work hard. So we, we take it, we twist it, and we start putting our goals out there rather than God's goals. In other words, we, we get things turned around, which is what Isaiah says. Isaiah says, you, or those who make their own plans, you turn things around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay? And the answer would be no. 
that what is made would say to its maker, He did not make me? Or what is formed say to him who formed it, He has no understanding? Can, can the clay say to the potter, Hey, you're doing this wrong. Hey, here's my plans. No, it, it doesn't make any sense. God's the one who created us. Those of us who place our faith in Christ, God's the one who saved us. And, and it's His life, how He wants us to live life, that we are then to live. But too often, we put ourselves ahead of God. We put our plans ahead of God. We start making our five-year plans, our ten-year plans. You know, when we retire, we want to be doing this. You know, we talked last week about, you know, not coveting what your neighbor has, you know. So I've got my retirement plan down. I've got my 72 vets sitting in my garage already. I've got, you know, I'm going to go be going for drives on the weekends. And I've got all those plans. The problem is, we start doing that, and then we... We start putting, to use Aesop's fables, we, we put the cart before the horse, right? And then we get kind of stuck. Because here's, here's what happens. In Proverbs, it says this, a man, the, the mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Man's steps are ordained by the Lord. How then can man understand his way? What he's saying here is, we come up with our plan, and so we start moving down a certain direction, but God's the one who's ordering our steps. And so we kind of get ourselves tripped up because we're going in one direction, but God wants us to go in another direction. And so we get kind of tripped up. We don't understand. We'd, God, what's going on? What's, what's happening? And that brings us to the trouble. Trouble is, if we live this out, without understanding what the truth of it is, we'll get frustrated with God. We'll question if He even cares. We'll even get to the point of maybe even questioning our faith completely. Because we're so intent, and we're, we're really good at doing this, guys. We're, we, we set up what our goal is, what, what plans are, what we're going to do. And then we start working towards those. But that might not be where God wants us to go. It might not be what God wants us to do. And then we start getting tripped up, we start getting frustrated, and we start questioning God, where are you at? Why aren't you listening to me? Why aren't you answering? Do you even care? Talked about last week, right? Using his name in vain. Part of that is questioning his character. Saying he doesn't care. Saying he doesn't love me. Saying he's not, he's not providing for me. Well, it could be, very well, that we have caused ourselves to get this turned around and we're putting our things ahead of His. So God's made us for His glory. He's made us for His purpose. And if we start with Him, then we're going to be able to apply it correctly. And so, the way we apply it correctly then is, God helps those who can't help themselves. So now we've, now we've got an accurate statement up here. It deals with our salvation, but it also deals with the life that God calls us to live once we've placed our faith in Him. Again, He's the potter, we're the clay. He's the one forming. He's the one providing for us. He's the one taking care of us. He's the one who's got a purpose laid out for us. So when it comes to salvation, we can't help ourselves. Romans 5, 6-8 says this, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. 
For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. And, and we found out last week, right, by going through the Ten Commandments, that none of us are good. One person last week said to me they, they, they were able to do one command. And then I asked them, thinking or doing? And they, nuts! Okay, so none of us, none of us are able to do the Ten Commandments, all right? But God demonstrates His own love toward us in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. God helps those who can't help themselves. When it comes to our salvation, we've talked about it. The last couple of weeks we've talked about it really hard. We can't do anything to accomplish our salvation. Now, there are some Christian denominations, there's a lot of religions teach that you do some and then the God that they're worshiping might do some. And sadly, even some Christian denominations will do that. Yeah, Jesus died on the cross for you, but then you have to do some other things. And it could be you know, baptism, speaking in tongues, um, you know, membership in a church, taking certain classes, you know, whatever. There's a bunch of different things. And so there's this idea that uh, God helps those who help themselves. So I'm going to work hard to get into God's favor, and then God's going to come along and let Jesus die on the cross. What we talked about that last week was, why had Jesus die on the cross then? Why does he have to help us over the line? It doesn't make any sense. If we can be good enough, then, then God wouldn't have had to put on flesh and die on the cross. So this idea that salvation we can work for, we can't work for. Why? Because we're, we're helpless. Paul talks about the fact that we're, we're dead in our, in our trespasses and sins. We're spiritually dead. There's no way for a, spirit, or a, a physically dead person to rejuvenate themselves, right? Resuscitate themselves. They can't grab paddles and knock themselves, right? So same thing spiritually. But it's Christ who died for the ungodly. We're ungodly prior to Christ. We're sinners prior to Christ. We're still sinners afterwards, but we're saved. You know, so when it comes to our salvation, and I think we, we get that, but it's the same thing when it comes to living the life that he's caused, uh, called us to live. See, for a lot of Christians, what they'll do is they'll, they'll accept Christ as their Savior, and they're all excited about you know, going to heaven and stuff, but then they just go right back into the way they used to do life. They had their plans and their ideas and their, you know, all stuff that they think they're supposed to be doing, and then they hear they're supposed to be doing some other stuff. You know, now they're supposed to be loving people and taking care of people and not committing the Ten Commandments, and so now they're adding that to their list of things that they have to do, and then they end up frustrated because, well, we keep on messing up. We can't seem to accomplish it. Why? Because the life that God calls us to live is just as impossible to live than our salvation is to gain in one sense. Jesus talks about this in John 15. He says, uh, again, Jesus speaking here, abide, in other words, that word there means to, to plant oneself next to. It's it's connecting into. And he kind of goes on to explain it. So abide in me and I in you. So we connect in with, with Christ and Christ connects in with us. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. Now he's talking bearing fruit. He's talking about doing the life that God's called us to do. I am the vine, you the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If we want to do anything of value in life, from God's perspective, if we want to do the life that God's called us to do, we need to be connecting in with Jesus Christ. Now again, for a lot of Christians, what happens is they accept Christ, but then they, you know, they might come to church, that kind of thing. 
But what does it mean to connect in with Jesus Christ? Well, it's the stuff that I constantly beat all of us over the heads with, right? Because again, doing the Christian life, um, the process of doing it is really not that difficult. We make it difficult because we're not really good at being disciplined. But connecting to Christ is this, spending time in His Word and in prayer. Being with your church family and worshiping together. Serving your church family and sharing your faith with those who need Christ. That's what Jesus Christ did when He was on, on earth. That's what He called His disciples, which we are, to do. And so we need to connect in. We need to know what His Word has to say. We need to have a conversation with Him about what He's teaching us. We need to be with our church family and be encouraged by them and encourage them and spend time together. We need to serve each other. And we need to be sharing our faith with others. So we have His Word, but we also have the Holy Spirit. So Romans 8. Again, I talk about this verse all the time. If Christ is in you, and He is if you've placed your faith in Christ, though the body is dead because of sin, so left to ourselves, we mess up, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, and He does if you've placed your faith in Christ, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life, not just spiritual life in a sense of going to heaven, but spiritual life in a sense of doing life God's way, to your mortal bodies, which are sinful, through His Spirit who dwells in you. So we have God's Word, and that's like the sword, right? The Bible talks about it being a sword. And we have God's Spirit who empowers us. And in doing that then, we can do life God's way. God helps those who can't help themselves. And we just need to understand when we place our faith in Christ and do life God's way, we can't do it in and of ourselves. We need God, His Word, and His Spirit working through us. The second belief is saying, uh, I'm also going to be using as a promo for our next series. So we're going to do a series starting next week, four or five week series on Job and the significance of suffering. And so we're going to look at this whole idea of suffering and how does that fit into the sovereignty of God. Um, and so make sure you come back next week. It'll be, uh, it'll be good. Um, but this, the saying is, God won't give you more than you can handle. All right, so you've heard that one. Well, God won't give you more than you can handle. And if someone says that, you just have to understand, nowhere in the Bible does it teach that. I mean, you, you just read the Bible and you realize, well, starting with Job, but any of the people in the Bible, they were given far more than they could possibly handle. It doesn't make any sense. Again, sounds good. It would be nice if it was true, but the fact of the matter is, it's not true. And so I was thinking, where, where do people get this from? So 1 Corinthians 10.13 depending on how you read it, or if you don't finish out the entire verse, it says this, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. 
Right? So I'm not going to have to go through anything that I'm not able to handle. But with the temptation, we'll provide the way of escape also, so you'll be able to endure it. So, what's wrong with this? Well, the truth is, God will give us more than we can handle, along with his help. That's kind of a key thing we'll, we'll talk about. But the twist is this. Hopefully you can kind of follow this. It's a little bit long. But, and we'll, look, we'll go back to the verse eventually. But it says, the twist is that people leave out that it's God who will provide the escape. And I'll show you that in a little bit. They stop with not, with the, um, not being tempted beyond what you are able and then they apply it to all areas of life. The, the problem is it's, it's talking about temptation to sin. It's not talking about all areas of life. But people take it and do that. The trouble, again, is that we get frustrated with God. Or we question Him. Because if we think that God won't give me more than I can handle, and then I start going through stuff that I'm, really, I'm not able to handle, we're only going to start questioning, wait a second, is God honest about this? Will God provide? Why isn't God doing this? The frustration could even lead to bitterness. So, to make this statement true then, we need to change it and say God will give you more than you can handle along with his help. All right. So God will give you more than you can handle, but he's going to do so with your help. So, looking at this verse again, go... Uh, did I, is that the next one? Now go back to John 10. Yeah, slide 17. There you go, thank you. So it says this, Again, no temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man. And God, who is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation, God will provide a way of escape also. So you will be able to endure. So God will give you more than you can handle along with his help. Yes, you will get into positions and places in your life where you're going to be tempted to sin. But it's not going to be something that you can't handle. Why? Because God's going to provide the way of escape. See, here's what happens when we, when we just leave it up to ourselves. Alright, so James, but each one is tempted when he is carried away and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. This is what happens when we attempt to do life our own way in, in the area of sin. So when we're tempted to sin, and we don't use God's escape, escape this is what happens to us. And what's his escape? His escape is his word, which we talked about, right? So the, the Bible is called the sword of the Lord. Why? It's our only defensive or offensive weapon. And so when we're tempted with sin, just like Jesus when he was tempted by Satan in the, in the wilderness, what did he use? He used Bible verses. Now it seems simplistic, doesn't it? It seems like there should be some, something more. There should be some sort of, you know, I don't know, ritual that you have to go through or some sort of, you know, chanting or something you have to go through. No, we just need to know God's word well enough that even if we don't have it in our hands, we can use it against the temptation that's coming our way. Because in that, that's part of the way of escape for us. And the second part is the Holy Spirit. And so we, He's our power. God's Word is a sword. The Holy Spirit is our power. 
So look at what Paul says about going through difficult times. Now besides Job, the next person in the Bible, and besides Jesus, the next person in the Bible that I would think of that has gone through stuff that he wasn't physically capable to go through in and of himself would be Paul, right? We know the story. He's going around sharing the gospel. Every place he goes to, there's riots, right? He's almost killed several times. He, he, di- he almost died several times in shipwrecks. I mean, he just had one bad day after another for sharing the gospel, eventually going into prison and being killed for his faith. He says this, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength, so we despaired even of life. Indeed, we had the sentence of death within our lives. I mean, look at those words. This is definitely having more than he could handle. Handle burdened excessively beyond our strength, the spirit of life, sentence of death was within themselves. They just felt like, man, everywhere we go, there's a death sentence on our heads. Well, to me, that says, God's giving me more than I can handle, right? But look how he finishes it off. Indeed, we have the sentence of death within ourselves. Why? So that there's a purpose for it. God's got a purpose. So that we would not trust in ourselves, but trust in God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a peril of death, and would deliver us, he on whom we have set our hope. And he will yet deliver us, you also joining and helping us through your prayers, so that thanks may be given by many persons on on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. There's four purposes right here of why it is that God gave Paul more than he could handle, and why he's going to give us more than he can handle. The first one is that we don't trust ourselves. God doesn't expect us to come to him in salvation and then just go try to do life on our own. What he expects is for us to, as we've been dependent on him completely for our salvation, that we stay dependent on him for everything that goes on in our life. But too, well, too often, what do we do? We go off on our own. We don't trust him. We trust ourselves. We, we think we know better. We have our wisdom we have our strength, and so we go at it. We go at life, even a Christian life, even trying to do what God wants us to do. We do it on our own strength. But he says, listen, I want you to experience life and even this difficulty in life because I don't want you to trust yourselves. I want you to trust me. I want you to trust what I say and, and how I say to do life. So he doesn't want us to trust ourselves. He doesn't want us to trust. He wants us to trust him. But then there's this idea of what I'm calling a growing in our faith, growing in our trust of him. He says, uh, will deliver us, or back up, who delivered us from so great a peril of death. So Paul's experienced God delivering him. And so there's been times in his past, he just looks back on his past, he's like, God delivered me. God provided. God took care of me. God gave me the strength. However you want to phrase it. And will deliver us, and he will yet deliver us. So what he's saying is, I know there are times in my past that God has delivered me. And so as I move forward and I go through other difficult times because of what he's done back there and what he said he's going to do, I'm going to trust him here. And then when I go here, I'm going to trust him here. And so it's this idea of building up his, his faith, his trust in God. And the same thing for us. God's going to continually put things into our lives that are too much for us to handle. Because he wants us to continue to grow. You know, back in the day when I was actually in shape, you know, I did that every day in the weight room. And it was no, you know, just with what I did. I went in, I worked out hard, and I changed things up, and I pushed myself some more. And 
It was, that's what you did. Well, life is kind of like a weight room. And God wants us to grow and wants us to, to get stronger and wants us to trust Him more and more. And then, so that thanks may be given, not just by you or me who have gone through it, but everybody who's watching us. Wow, God, you did what you did in their life, that was awesome. Thank you so much. You know, we were talking on Thursday night to guys, and you know, somebody shared a praise of what God's doing in their life and in their life and their family. And all of us got to sit there and pray and thank God for that. So not just one person thanking them, a bunch of people. And what's that do for the rest of us? And it encourages us. And man, if that can happen in that person's life, maybe these things can happen in my life. So he, he wants us to not trust ourselves, but to trust Him, to grow in our faith and be thankful. Two very familiar sayings. But to be true and to apply accurately, they need to be changed a little bit. And I'm not sure how this uh, series has impacted you guys, but I know for me it's been um, pretty fun to go through and to and to kind of think through these sayings again. Again, we hear them so often, sometimes we just even, you know, just kind of let them go. But as the band comes up, as we do every week, we want to do some takeaways. What do we do with this? How do we respond to this? Well, if you're going through a difficult time in your life, now, I say that, and I think every one of us could probably say, yeah, there's some, some area in my life where I'm struggling with what I'm going through. Struggling to figure out, okay, God, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? You know, are you the good God you say you are? Will you provide for me? And so I just want to take these two statements and I want to throw them into our lives and challenge us as we end this morning with a song that, that we maybe spend some time, um, maybe not even singing for a little bit and just have this conversation with God. The first one is God helps those who can't help themselves. So, Maybe for some of us this morning, we need to decide to stop approaching the situation with our wisdom and our strength and realize that God is the one who needs to step in there. You need to step back and let God in to, and let Him respond and move in that situation. And secondly, God will give you more than you can handle. All right? And so sometimes knowing the truth of a situation makes it a little bit easier to go through. So if you're looking down the road and your life, right now life is awesome for you, understand if you're a follower of Christ, he's going to let something difficult come your way. Why? Because he wants you to not trust in yourself. He wants you to trust in him. He wants you to grow in your faith. And he wants you and others around you to thank him and see how awesome of a God that he is. So during his song, let's go ahead and stand if you'd like. During the song, you do business with God and work through these things, and I'll be in the back if you want to chat or catch me in the lobby afterwards. But uh, Sonny, go ahead.